I think we were seeing everything kind of overlapping together and now it's more structured, more bite-sized. So we know what step to take now and what to leave for a little bit further down the road. You're listening to the Sticky Brand Lab podcast, where time-strapped professionals like you learn how to create a business you love in as little as three hours a week. Welcome, aspiring side hustlers. We're excited to have Ask Muse guests Elizabeth Ionita and Chanel Levine back for the second half of their Ask Muse session, where we'll be presenting our suggestions, ideas, and action steps for launching and scaling their membership business idea. But before we unveil our recommendations, be sure to subscribe to the Sticky Brand Lab podcast so you never miss a show. And so we can continue to help you and other aspiring entrepreneurs just like you create, launch, and market a profitable side business and lifestyle you love. Now let's get this Women Empowering Women episode started. If this is your first time listening to an Ask Muse episode, I'm going to recap how this works. First, Ask Muse is done in two parts. During part one of Ask Muse, a listener, or in this case, two listeners, come onto the show to get some assistance with a specific challenge. In part two of Ask Muse, we share our thoughts, ideas, and recommendations with our guests, get their reactions, and make any adjustments that are needed. Both episodes are dropped at the same time. For this reason, we provide high-level ideas, resources, and or links, which you'll be able to find in our show notes or on our resource page. Now on with the show. Whether you're currently or have in the past been in a transition or going through something challenging in your life or career, you probably are thinking about your future and how to move forward from this present situation into something more stable, rewarding, or supportive. We want to share a little secret that might make you feel better and maybe even encourage you. Many successful entrepreneurs get inspired after a crisis, a realization, or a major change in their lives. Think Airbnb, Slack, WhatsApp, Uber, and Square, to name a few. These startups were all inspired during the global financial collapse between 2007 and 2009. Fast forward to the current COVID pandemic. During a time of change, a pandemic, or a combination of both, our natural desire to find a solution for our own challenge can inspire us with a business idea. And for today's guests, Canadian residents Elizabeth Ionita and Chanel Levine, that is exactly what happened. After taking maternity leave from her position as an account executive and adjusting to being a mom to two small children during a pandemic, no less, Elizabeth had both a realization and an inspiration. The result? Commune, an online community where women can come together to connect, collaborate, share, and learn together and from one another. And as Elizabeth prepared to return to work, she knew this newly created community could not be sustained without help. So she enlisted her very good friend and trusted confidant and entrepreneurial-minded business partner, Chanel. Talk about turning lemons into lemonade and leading with your combined strengths. Initially, Commune was started during a pandemic as a way for you, Elizabeth, to meet other like-minded women. As more people came together, the idea of turning the group into a sustainable business model is what prompted you and Chanel to reach out to Ask Muse. Both of you have a lot of ideas, but needed some help prioritizing your list, which you shared with us and reads accordingly. Get help with your value proposition, structure, packaging, and monetization. Did we sum up everything correctly? Is there anything you want to add or change? 
No, that sounds good to us so far. Yay, great. Great. Starting a membership business as a side business is not easy. I suspect you already knew that (laughs) or started to figure that out. And establishing yourself as two entrepreneurs is so exciting. And we want to help you conceptualize the best path possible. And keep in mind that the steps that we're laying out for you are a starting point. So as we're sharing, just feel free to ask questions and get clarification as we offer up our ideas. So are you ready for us to... Yes, absolutely. We've been ready for months. (laughs) (laughs) So we've laid this out in six steps. Step one, selecting a niche. The thing that we wanted to talk about here is, is why selecting a niche is so important. The wrong choice can mean you spend a lot of time and money chasing a goal that won't materialize or won't resonate with your target audience. In your particular situation, you said you wanted to be knowledge brokers. In addition, you wanted to create an education platform and you want Commune to be at the intersection of personal and professional. So you want to start by clarifying your niche. We know that there are sites out there that are targeted to professional women. But we aren't as familiar with sites that start out with the proposed idea of the intersection of both. So we think you're on the right track there. But we're recommending that you make sure that you do your due diligence and that you check out your competition and that you're certain of what they offer and what they're not serving. That gives you an area to focus in and to differentiate yourself. We also think that you'll gain an edge by narrowing your target audience. Which leads us to step two, defining your audience. You told us that Commune was ideal for women in their 20s to 60s from around the world. A few things to keep in mind here. 20 to 60 is a wide age range, especially starting out, because what that means is you're encompassing women that are at all different stages of their lives, stages of their careers, and they're going to need different information as a result. It also means to be relevant, you're going to have to identify the challenges for each stage of development and produce content that is relevant to each stage, each age, career, personal. So trying to meet the needs of so many different life stages, life experiences might be a heavy burden, especially starting out. What we recommend is zeroing in on a smaller target audience. And from there, once you see who self-selects to be part of that smaller core audience, you can then pivot organically. Our suggestion to start out is that you begin with people more like you, more that you can relate to and who can relate to you. Women, say, in their 30s to 40s or early 40s. So they may have similar life stages and life experiences, life needs, both personal and professional. As people self-select and identify with you and feel like, oh my goodness, they get me. So your audience will naturally grow from there. Any questions so far? No questions. 
what you're saying totally resonates with what we are trying to do. Perfect. That's great. So step three is a monetization strategy. And for a business model, as we've mentioned earlier, we think a membership business model is a good starting point for your business. The benefits are that there's predictability of revenue. Memberships can be scalable as a business model. And although there are a lot of work in the beginning when you launch them, as more people come in and pay, the cost to run and to host often goes down. Now, of course, there are some drawbacks. It can take a while to scale to the point where you're seeing significant revenue. But the reality is that's for anybody starting out in a new business. Having a paying platform and having to provide support and administrative costs, even though you may be doing most of the work yourself, that investment is time. Again, it's not an if you build it, they will automatically come and start paying you, but that's the same for any business. So we're going to introduce four possible membership types. The first type of membership is called a content library. And it's pretty much like the name suggests. You have content like blogs, audio, workshops, courses, any type of content that helps members learn and solve problems is under the content library. Now, the pros of having a content library are the solutions allow you to create, source, and vet contributors. You can provide information for free, and when you reach a certain number of members, you can then start charging for your higher quality content. The cons, you're new. You're starting at the bottom of the funnel. So another con to this is time. It takes a while to get members and it takes a while to seed and maintain a library, especially with valuable content. And a third con, since you don't have a high number of members at this point, you don't have enough information on what your audience wants and needs. So you might find that you're going to start from your knowledge base And as people come in and you continue to crowdsource information, you're going to make pivots along the way because you're going to now know what your audience wants. Make sense? Absolutely. Cool. The next business model is service membership site. This type of membership is where providers and clients find each other. And here you could charge members to access providers in any number of ways. We recommend that you offer at least three types of payment options so that people can choose which works best for them. And that way you still get income and people are not left out. Yeah, that sounds good. Great. The third type of membership model is branded virtual groups or a community membership model. So here members pay monthly to be a part of it, or they can pay yearly and get a discount for paying for the full year. Participants have access to the large group community and the ability to pursue microgroups. For example, moms groups. So you might have a, a microgroup for new moms, for moms that are homeschooling. So the here, the larger community you pay to be a part of, but then you have access to these specific what I need or what I'm looking for type of groups. So then there's the event membership site model. That's where participants pay for each event. They can come together, discuss and share ideas. They can network. 
Members only events are held online or at a location. We really like this because this is what you're already doing. This is something that people are starting to get to know you for. And this is something you can start growing now. We also recommend, though, that when you evaluate the competition in your niche evaluation, you consider analyzing your competitors by asking them, what does their membership include? So as Nola said, we really think the two membership models that work for where you are right now are the event membership. To give you an example of that, you offer events for free and your higher quality, that's where you charge people. The other component is the one before, which was paying for content. So right now on the example in your website, you only have a blog listed in there. But as your content takes shape, what you'll have is access to information and people can have free and you can think about what it would be like to give either monthly or the opportunity for yearly exposure to the highest quality content that isn't available. We really like the idea of the event-based model because, again, like you said, we are doing that already. We agree. So step four is building your brand and building a strong, beautiful, recognizable brand for your business will help you stand out and add some legitimacy to your business. And you already have this beautiful logo and your websites, it's starting to look really good. When you think of brand or building a brand, think of three Bs, brand, branding, and brand identity. You guys have the brand identity really coming along. It's beautiful. Thank you. Where we think you're missing is in brand and branding. The brand is the perception of your business that your audience has of you. This includes the experience people have when they have that intersection, like they know that your business is about the personal and the professional. One of the things that's really important in having a brand is telling the brand story. And Commune needs a story, a story beyond why it was created. Take a minute, will you, and tell us how you came up with the spelling for Commune and how you came up with the name Commune. Commune is almost like multifaceted in the sense that it can mean Commune as in a place where there are certain people living together or coming together to share resources. Also, commune, as in to commune, to come together. The decision to invert the second M into a W was to symbolize the women, and we want to have women commune and come together. Which is beautiful. And I really like how you illustrated that in your logo. Thank you. In building a business, your client, customer, buyer, they're not looking at it for what's in it for me. They're looking at it for make me feel important. We think there's power in the story you're going to create using the acronym of Commune. So in the example is the acronym 
that we are suggesting you might consider for commune. We started with the C and we wrote career because it was the intersection of personal and professional. You'll notice that O here, we wrote for opportunities because we see commune as bringing women together and the offerings that you're proposing as opportunities for them to grow and connect. We made M money in this case. The reason we chose money is because all sorts of things are related around money issues for women. So we saw that as an opportunity as well. When we were thinking about commune and the W being in the center, we recognized that as women, the letter spelled out three different acronyms on either side so that the women were being supported by these elements. Moving down, we made you unity. We just saw unity because of your connection that you, as part of what you wanted Commune to be about. We made N networking. We saw that as a purpose for Commune. And we used E for education. So you can change out the letters, but you can see that by having the acronym, it gives you areas to focus on. It gives you a story to develop and a purpose and a mission and a vision for what commune can be about. Yeah, I love it. I do too. Now, the second element that we felt you needed a little more help in was in the branding. And branding is the acts that shape your business, make it a distinct brand. So the third image that is being sent to you was normally in the funnel. And so that is what is relevant when we talk about step number five, which is growing your following. How will your target audience find out about you and your business? You want to draw all these people so that you can bring them through and scale them up. Where are they going to find you and what platforms does your global audience reside? The idea would be that once they come in to your group, like how are you communicating with them? And you're already writing in blog posts, but maybe it's time to think about writing where a larger audience can read you. And there's a number of online places to do that. Medium is one. I chose Reddit in here just because it's so conversational. So you have to change your mindset from where do you reside to where does your audience reside? Yeah, totally agree. Step six is knowing when to expand. And that really is going to involve having a business plan, especially if you're choosing a membership model. You want to be able to think of your business plan when you're going to expand based on a number of things. Will it be expanding based on membership size? Will it be expanding based on the offers or at each level? How will your offers, your products, your services expand to meet the growing expansion of your membership base? Are you basing it on sales so that your business plan helps you think conceptually about how you grow? And one of the bigger things is you're starting from a base in Canada. 
And granted that you want to reach globally, but if you're really thinking long-term, imagine commune at national levels in countries and local levels within countries and having conferences that bring people together globally from those chapters. It's always good to know where you're starting and having good big blue sky dreams. And don't let the term business plan scare you. We were really thinking more with the concept of when you establish these milestones, knowing that at this point we can scale, when you know at what point you're going to make this decision, those milestones become your business plan. So how are you feeling about these things so far? Excited. (laughs) Lots of work to take on, which we're really excited about. But more importantly, I think a sense of relief because we were feeling like it was almost too cumbersome, like it wouldn't be possible what we envisioned to put it into practice. But the steps that you've lined up so far make it a lot more feasible Mm -hmm. and easier for me to at least envision next steps. Party time! (laughs) (laughs) That means that we've met our goal. We want to try to take something that's complicated and overwhelming and just kind of simplify it into baby steps, especially the beginning steps. So you could really see yourself using some of these recommendations. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I think we were seeing everything kind of overlapping together and now it's more structured, more bite-sized. So we know what step to take now and what to leave for a little bit further down the road. That is really important because one of the things that you said is when we talked in the first session of Ask Muse, we had an opportunity to ask you realistically, given your schedules, how much time can you devote to this a week? And when we were conceptualizing it, we decided that we would take the minimum that you had given us. So if each of you had 10 hours that you could devote, so about, uh, yeah, because if they did 10 hours, so uh, about an hour. (laughs) Yeah. My math all of a sudden went out the window, as you can tell. A little over an hour a day, whatever it is. But the point being that as you organize this for yourselves and you divide it, if you can break it down into kind of this shared piece, just this one small step. And if I get this one small step done, I can move to the next one. Yeah. I think that approach makes the most sense because it's an approach that kind of spills out in anything that we're doing, again, in our personal and professional lives is if any changes are to be made or done, you need to kind of undertake that process with a sustainable approach, right? Because too much too fast, kind of we're setting ourselves up for failure. And when you put on an event and you talk about where it's going to happen, who the speaker is, a little bit of the bio on the speaker and cost, you want to stand out when it's free. You want to make that bold and free. It gets people used to seeing that there's a possibility for a cost so that when you introduce cost, 
at a low level. And there are some platforms in which you can do a cost so that the cost is associated. And people get used to seeing cost free, but what they're really getting used to is seeing cost. So that when cost has $10 for non-members and $5 for members, there's a pause. Wait, what? There's a membership? So again, you're introducing things that help your audience get in the habit of recognizing. That's great. Yeah. It's really, there's less shock when we start to charge. Which is why using other platforms to host your speakers gives you an opportunity to do that because they often have email reminders that are there. People have to register. So you're collecting emails. You're getting people in a habit. So test out platforms. Try some free platforms. See what's out there. But for you, it's setting up what the expectation is from your audience so that your audience understands this is great information and it's free. This is premium information. It's a base cost. So you're introducing it. So people get a chance to know you when they get to know that you exist, like you because you deliver on what you promise, they begin to trust you. So as that cost and that membership begins to become more take shape of your business model, they're already bought in because you've delivered and you're consistent. So get in the habit of being consistent. That is also part of your brand and your branding. Make it consistent on the same time. So you train people to look forward to when you're showing up. Yes, agreed. Thank you, Elizabeth and Chanel, for being our guests on this edition of Ask Muse. If someone wants to learn more about you and Commune, how can people reach out to you? If you are on LinkedIn, you can just search Commune and follow our group on LinkedIn. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram. The website is still in construction, but when it is ready and live, we'll be notifying it through LinkedIn and Instagram. And if they reach out and do a search for Commune, how do they spell it? Yeah. So Commune is spelled C-O-M-W-U-N-E. Great. Well, listeners, if you would like to be a guest on Ask Muse, visit stickybrandlab.com forward slash ask dash muse and apply today. Be sure to come back next Tuesday and every Tuesday for another informative, inspiring and motivating episode. And remember, action creates results. So tap into your desire to create a business and brand you love by taking 1% action every day. Small steps, big effects. Do you have questions about creating a personal brand, side hustle, or small business? Sign up for one of our clarity sessions. For more information, contact us at stickybrandlab.com forward slash contact. This play is ruining my presentation. Oh, 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 and yeah, we haven't received it either of the interactions.